Well, in the last two years, with the pandemic and with COVID, we, most of us, if not all of us, have had to go on Zoom at some point or another, right? Some of you, your lives basically revolved around Zoom and your entire job was on Zoom, meeting with people and having meetings all day. And others of you, maybe you used it maybe for church meetings or group social gatherings. But all of us learned to be on Zoom in these last two years. And there's something that occurred on Zoom that became pretty frequent, kind of a joke a lot of times. It happened to me just two days ago. Let me paint the picture for you. Almost every single time or every other time that I get on Zoom, this happens. You get on Zoom, you log on to the meeting, everyone's joining with their different fun backgrounds, right, that they put behind them. Sometimes it's not the right person's name on there. It's like their daughter's name, and they're all sharing the family account. And you're like, you don't look like Sally. And so everyone gets on Zoom. This happens so many times. We all get on Zoom, and then it's your turn to talk, or it's somebody else's turn. This happened to me two days ago. It was my turn to talk. I was in the middle of an interview, and I said something, and then I started talking. I'm saying my whole thing and somebody said, tell me if you've heard these words, you're on mute. You're on mute. Unmute yourself. For some of us in the room, there's an extra step that challenges, like, how do I do that? The technically challenged, right? It's like, where's the button on my screen? How do, you're on mute. We can't hear you. And this happens so many times. I had this idea come into my mind about, this idea of being on Zoom and being on mute, and I was thinking about this, and I've been thinking about this idea for months and months, and I felt like, Lord, I think this is the time to preach this, and the idea that connects to that is this, is that sometimes spiritually in prayer, which is our form of communicating to God, you are talking, you are praying, you are communicating with God, but spiritually you're on mute, and although you may be talking or I may be talking, that there are actually things in the Bible where even though you're doing the right thing, you're praying a good thing, you're asking God for some good things in your life or some breakthroughs, that there is actually times where either God puts you on mute or scarier enough, we put ourselves on mute. And... I believe that that is the reason, not all the time, but that is a general reason why a lot of times our prayers do not get answered. It's not always the reason, right? And I wanted to put a disclaimer this morning as well that so you don't leave here feeling like if you're not on mute, don't feel like, oh, I'm on mute. I want to be clear because sometimes our prayers don't get answered simply because it's not the will of God. Or sometimes our prayers get answered and the answer is no from God. Or God saying, hey, wait till later. But there are some times in our life as Christians when we are talking to God and we are communicating and saying and we're doing our piece, but we are actually spiritually on mute. And if God was in a Zoom room with us, he'd say, you're on mute. I can't hear you. I know, no, I know. I see you talking. I see what you're doing, but you do not realize that you are on mute. The power of prayer, the tool of prayer, our communication with God is something that could not go hindered. 
And so this morning, I want to bring us to four different things. There's actually more than four, and uh, hence I was going to do a series on it. But there's four things that um, mute our prayer life, and I want to bring those to you. And what I'm going to ask you to do as I'm preaching this sermon is just kind of filter through these and ask yourself, is there potential that your prayers, that your communication is muted even though you're talking and praying because one of these things exists in your life. And hopefully we walk out of this, and some of us, because I've been at these places, hopefully we walk out together and some of us walk out of here unmuted. And your prayers are heard in the throne room of the Most High. And you get to experience the privilege and the honor of one, the Lord hearing your prayers, but two, having your prayers answered. Because there is power in the prayers of a righteous person, which is what James says. Okay, let's dive in. We're going to be all over the Bible. Number one, number one, filter this through. Is this maybe you? Are you at this place or have you been at this place in the past? We unmute our prayers by changing our relationship status. So we're going to start with the foundation here. We're going to go to the root cause, the foundation of really our whole relationship with God. And let me bring you to John chapter 9, verse 31. John chapter 9, verse 31 says, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to the one who worships him and does his will. Clear distinction here, right? This is in the Gospels. This is actually the guy who would, was just healed and he was dealing with the Pharisees and he's responding back to the Pharisees with this verse. But he is creating a clear distinction in his mind and it's preserved for us in Scripture that we know that God does not listen to sinners but he does listen to those who worship him and do his will. Listen to Proverbs fifteen twenty nine. The Lord is far from the wicked. But he hears, oh man, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. You know, in our world, we like to talk um, general language, and I understand what we mean by it, but a lot of times when I have conversations with people about God, they, uh, they, they may say, well, we're all children of God, right? Well, we're all children of God. And I understand what they mean by that. Most people mean, hey, we've all been created from God. God's knit us all in our, room, our, our mother's womb, and that's correct. But we are not all children of God. And even though that may be a hard pill to swallow, it's a deeply biblical truth that God has children, and then he has people who are not children. All created by him, but not all the same relationship with him. There are people that are seen as wicked in the eyes of the Lord, and there are people who are seen as righteous in the eyes of the Lord. There are clear distinctions, no middle ground, but there are clear distinctions between people in the eyes of God. One reason that not every, area, uh, not every prayer is answered on earth is that not everybody has a relationship with God. We know this, right? Not everybody in our family circles, not all of our friends, not all of our coworkers know God. They may like the idea of God. They may have created their own idea of God. They may believe that there's a lot of gods. But if you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, you have a relationship with 
God. And if you don't have a relationship with somebody, we know this on a very human aspect, if you don't have a relationship with somebody, you can't necessarily expect things from them, right? You know, with my dad, he's here as a pastor. He's been pastoring the church for 35 years. But we joke, and at the same time, it's a serious thing, that his day job has shifted over the last few years. Three years ago, he shifted to be the president of Moody Bible Institute. And so, um, you know, he's busier than ever before. You know, if you're trying to get in contact with my dad, you know, outside of a Sunday type of morning setting, he's very busy. His schedule's set. And most people, to get in contact with him, you know, they have to go through his assistant, they have, to look through his, they have to look through his schedule. There's a whole process to be able to get in contact with my dad. And I get it. He's busy and his time is very limited. A lot of people call him and say, oh, it's real difficult to get a hold of your dad. I say, yeah, it is. Can I be honest with you, though? It's not difficult for me to get a hold of him. Even on the church end, hey, you know, I'm trying to get your dad set up for a meeting over here. We're trying to shoot a video with him. Can, can you? And sometimes they'll even ask me to reach out because they know that I have access to him like other people don't have access to him. You catching me? See, if you're, uh, you, you work, uh, you know, if you work, you know, uh, at Moody or something like that or New Life or you're a friend or a neighbor, hey, listen, maybe you have his contact, maybe you even have his contact information and you can reach out to him that way and, and you know, but, you know, even us, right? There's sometimes, let's be honest, right? Sometimes you look at your phone and you're like, yeah, maybe pick it up later. Sometimes different people reach out and depending, you're like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't really want to talk to that person right now. But when it's somebody that's really close to you, when you really, really love this, when it's your spouse calling on the phone, you'll be in a meeting. You say, hold on, guys, uh, give me a minute. I need to take this. This is my wife calling. I need to get this call. See, when you have a relationship with somebody, you have different access to them. And because I'm a son of my father, I have special access to him that I can get directly through to him. I don't have any challenges or problems giving him a call at any different time of the day. I get directly through to him. You, if you are a child of God, have special access to God. Not everybody has. Don't get uh, the ideas mixed in your head to think that everybody has the same access that, that you do to God. They don't. You know, there's people who know of God, maybe even people who in their trials and troubles, who aren't Christians, who cry out to God, but God doesn't necessarily need to answer their prayers. He can listen to their prayers, he can hear their prayers, he, he, all, he knows all things, but he doesn't have to answer their prayers, but you as a child of God have access to God. Not only do you have access to God, but you have promises in Scripture that when you ask things according to his will, that he will give you those things that you ask for. Over and over and over in the Bible, there is clear language that describes not only your relationship with God, but your access to God and your privilege and honor to speak to him clearly as a child can and his power to be able to answer our prayers and create breakthroughs in our life that would not happen any other way than the power of prayer. 
You and I have access to the throne room of all throne rooms, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the one who came and died on the cross, raised after three days, walked out of that tomb, was raised by the most high, and is coming again. You have access to God. You right now can start praying, if you have a relationship to God, can start praying through our mediator Jesus to the throne room of the Most High who runs the universe. I'm just trying to bring us up to speed because some of us have forgotten who we have on speed dial. Your problems start to become a lot smaller when you start to remember who you have on speed dial. The mountain doesn't seem as high to climb when you remember who you have on speed dial and when you remember your relationship with the one that you have on speed dial. You are not just a friend of Almighty God. You are his child. Some of you should be walking out of here a little bit more with your chest back because you're not just somebody. You're a child of the Most High. And if you need to hear it from the Bible itself, John 1.12 says, But to all those who did receive him, who believed in his name, Christians in other words, he gave the right. Think about that. Sit on that word for a minute. The right, the privilege, the honor to become children of God. The right, the privilege to be adopted into the family of God, what an honor. And because you are part of the family of God, let me tell you this, when you live in the right way, you have a special access to God and other people that do not have the same relationship with God that you, do, that you have, let me say this, a lot of times their prayers are on mute. Well, they pray too, but they're not a child. But they pray, they pray to a bunch of stuff though but they're not a child. And when you have special relationship with God, you have special access and your prayers are unmuted. We're talking about muted prayer. So that's more general, that's foundation. Let me press a little bit more. Let's talk more specifically to us Christians this morning. Number two, we unmute our prayers by turning away from sinful habits. Isaiah 59 Two, we're going to go to two Old Testament passages here. But your iniquities, your sin, in other words, your wrongdoings, have separated you from God. And your sins, think about the language here, the imagery, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. The Bible's painting a picture for us here of the relationship of sin in our life and what it does to mute our voice and our prayers that should be going on to the throne room of the Most High. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 55, 18, if I regard iniquity, sin, wrongdoing, in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. This word regard here, I regard iniquity, sin in my heart, means to cling or to hold to. In other words, what the psalmist is telling us here, what God is telling us this morning, is when we cling or hold to sin in our life and we're not willing to let go of it, 
God goes, mute. When there's an area of our life, maybe it's an old area, a way you used to live before you knew Jesus. Maybe it's something you used to do, a way that you used to speak, a thing that you used to do in your old life. And we know that the enemy's, you know, trying to devour, trying to steal and destroy our life. And sometimes the old sin tries to make its way back into our life. Sometimes the old ways, the old patterns, the old lifestyles, try, we say, well, it's just one night, you know, we're just, it's just going out with friends and it's just drinking, you know, but it's not like, it's just one, I didn't get that, you know, drunk. It was just kind of like, I feel like I still had my mind at the end of the night and you say, I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but then it starts to become a pattern and it starts to become something you don't deal with in your life. And something that was just a night out, drinking a little bit, yeah, I got a little bit buzzed, and starts to become you getting blacked out. Maybe you're still trying to lead a group, a small group. Let's get real. Sometimes you're maybe still trying to do some ministry stuff, still trying to keep your relationship with God going, but there's something going on on the weekends or in your life, something that you're doing in the background. You think, well, this doesn't really affect, I can still, I still feel okay, I still feel good. It's just a matter of time. And when we start to live with this sin in our life that we're, in other words, unwilling to release, unwilling to let go of, unwilling to move on from, sometimes that's an unhealthy relationship and we've crossed lines and we go, well, I just, I think we could still, and God's like, listen, you are crossing the lines with somebody before you are married and I'm asking you to let go of that relationship or I'm asking you to stop doing that with that person. You go, I just don't know. And God goes, okay, mute. There is a clear, clear word in Scripture that when we are not living in the way that God has called us to, that there is a mute in our life. And let me be very clear this morning. This is not, I sinned and I fell, I feel super bad about it, I turned from it, right, repentance, and now I'm you know, choosing to fight that battle and live the right way. That's not what that's, that's talking about. All of us do that, right? We fall short, we sin, we turn to God, say, God, I feel horrible about this. I want to live your way. Give me the strength, God. I confess that. I agree with you that was wrong. That's, that's, not, that's what God wants you to do. That's the process that God wants you to walk through when you sin. What we're talking about specifically here is when there is something in your life that you know is wrong and you are unwilling to stop doing it. That is called unrepentant sin. Repentance is when you know you're supposed to be going in one way, you realize it, you turn in the other way, and you start going in the opposite direction. That's what repentance is. And God is saying, listen, you may be my child, but if you do not live the way I've called you to live, then I will not hear your prayers. You have a relationship. You may be sitting in Sunday morning Raising your hand during worship. But if there's something going on in your life that maybe nobody else knows about, let me remind you, I do because I'm God. And I am going to put your prayers on mute. I will not hear your prayers. I will not answer your prayers until you let go of that way that you're living and you come and you repent from it because a child of mine lives the ways that I've called them to live, not the ways they want to live. God blocks our prayers 
And the block to our prayer is often the way that we live our life. And let me say this, true Christians, true authentic followers of Christ can absolutely get caught into old patterns of sin and old patterns that we're like, I don't wanna let go of it. And we can, we can I'm being honest, we can get in, in back in sinful ways and really wanna hold on to it, right? We know it's wrong a lot of times, not all the times, but a lot of times it's relationships. I've seen this pattern a million times. Well, I don't know, they're kind of a Christian. Well, well they're you know, kind of warm. They're willing to come to church with me. It's like, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> no, no, they're willing to come to church with me, though. It's like, and that's who you want as your spouse? No, they're kind of open to it, but you've been following Jesus for five years now. You want someone who's not a Christian? And you kind of walk down this road, you start, you start dating them, you say it's not gonna, but because they're not living for God, you say, no, I don't wanna cross those lines physically. And they go, well, come on, don't you love each other? Well, I don't wanna cross those lines physically. And you resist and you push back and you fight and you back and you push and you push, but eventually you cave. And you get involved with somebody that's not a believer in a way physically intimate with them and now you're deeply connected to them because you've been emotionally dating them and now you're physically dating them for multiple months now. And it comes to a point, and you know, you sit in a sermon. Uh-oh, I'm preaching to someone. You sit in a sermon, and the pastor's talking about being, having, your, having your prayers on mute, and God is just speaking right through that microphone using a vessel to say, hey, there is an area of your life that you need to let go of, and you're like, but I don't want to let go of it, God. I'm too connected. I don't want to lose this. I want this. And God's like, well, if you don't want to lose that, then you're going to lose my prayer. You're going to lose your prayers being heard. Listen to what 1 John 3, 8, because God says it better than I could ever say it, right? The Bible says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God, and this doesn't mean, once again, the falling in once. This is somebody who's perpetually choosing to do what's wrong and has no desire to turn away from it. Because God's, God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. You say, I hear you. You say, you should have told me you were gonna step on our toes this morning, but I hear you. You were so much funnier two weeks ago. And to unmute ourselves, what God is calling us to do is to let go. He says that thing you've been holding on to for so long that you feel like is the thing that you need, I'm asking you to let go of it because you know it's wrong. The thing that you're clinging on to that you feel like is so important that you feel like you cannot abandon, that you feel like you just, God's saying, listen, you gotta choose Either it's gonna be your relationship with me or it's gonna be your relationship with that, but you can't have both. You gotta choose. And I'm here. See, prayer is just communication with God. If we have hindered prayer with God, we have a hindered, we have a hindered relationship with God, right? 
And God is saying, hey, listen, do you wanna be unmuted? Then it's time to let go. You wanna start feeling my power again? It's time to let go. You wanna start seeing things change in your life? It's time to let go. Stop praying about your business that you need to turn around. Get this right in your life, and I will pour out my blessing on your business because I will hear your prayers like like you have never prayed before, and I will hear and answer your prayers. But you need to let go. Number three, we unmute our prayers by treating those closest to us right. This is actually the passage that got me thinking about this whole hindered idea. Like, I was, remember I was listening to scripture in the car and I was driving down the road and, and it, the words in this passage talk about hindering our prayers, that our prayers, it very specifically says our prayers can be muted and it can be muted by God or us. And this is the passage, listen to this, especially married people in the room who I am recently in that camp, listen to this, First Peter. You husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel. This is talking physically. Since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered, in our context, muted. Modern day translation. All throughout scripture, God makes it abundantly clear to us that how we treat people absolutely matters to God. I was talking to somebody recently, I think we were talking business or whatever, and, and we were, I was talking to them and I said, oh, I was, and they're, and they're, they're a pretty well off person, and I was, I was telling them, I said, you know, I said, you, you're around a lot of people who are just incredibly, incredibly wealthy, and you're in those circles, I said, can I tell you one of the things that shows me somebody's character more than anything? More than the words that they can say to me, more than what they can tell me what they've accomplished in the past. Can I tell you, when I'm meeting somebody for the first time, and I maybe go out to lunch with them, what they order from Paco's Tacos, not that insightful, you know? What I, you know, what, what they're wearing only tells me a little bit about them. You know what really tells me something about people when I'm at a restaurant with them? How do you treat the waitress? How do you treat the person in the back of the restaurant who's mopping? Hey, get out of my way. How do you treat people that can't give you anything but are just there? How do you treat the people when people are not looking? How do you treat your employees? How do you treat your schoolmates? How do you treat people that are coworkers with you? How do you treat your neighbor next door? How do you treat people when no one else is looking and it doesn't matter? How do you treat those people? And a lot of times I'm just watching how people, and sometimes I'll see people and they they can talk such a mean game, but then I watch how they treat people and I go, ooh, that says so much more to me than all the other things you just said. That little two-minute thing right there where you just treated that person. You just blew up about how they didn't put enough ice cubes in your water. That tells me way more about you than what you just tell me about all the ministry that you're doing. And God is absolutely passionate about the way that we treat people. And sometimes the people that we can treat worse are the people that are closest to us. And this verse is telling us that God will actually mute our prayers if we don't treat the people closest to us in the right way. Specifically, he's talking to people who are married. 
I think this principle applies generally to all of us, right? How we treat people, I think that's a huge deal to God that if we're treating people in the wrong way, our prayers can absolutely be hindered. But this specifically, Peter is addressing spouses. And I'm gonna speak to both spouses, even though it's just us husbands, because it's, you know, it's initiated in, in the whole passage. He says, husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way. Our prayers will be muted if we do not treat our spouses in the right way. And husbands, let me speak directly to you. There's two ways that Peter and ultimately God is speaking to treat your spouse. One, he's saying in an understanding way that you need to make every effort as a husband to understand your wife. You need to take every effort to go, on, to go on dates with her, build a relationship with her. It is your intention, not just to live under the same roof with her, but to actually spend time getting to know her and understanding her. Even if you feel like you speak two different languages, it's your responsibility to learn that language. And not only that, but Peter's saying, one, you need to learn to understand your wife, and put every effort in that, but also you need to honor her. That if a husband is not respecting and honoring his wife, if a husband is speaking down to his wife, tearing her down with his words, not treating her with the respect and honor that she deserves, then God goes, all right, if you cannot treat her in the right way, I will mute your prayers and not listen to you. And I think that this theologian, Wayne Grudem, says, I was reading this and I just thought, man, he really says it well. Listen to what he says. So concerned is God that Christian husbands live in an understanding and loving way with their wife that he interrupts his relationship with them when they are not doing so. That, and sometimes I tell couples this, you know, if there's one uh, person in the relationship, one person in the marriage, that it just continues to live in the wrong way, right? I've had the multiple conversations like this and just even recently, and somebody is not choosing to live in the right way, one of the spouses, whether it's the wife or the husband, continue to live in the wrong way. If the actions are severe enough, sometimes the decision, if they've gone, they've taken the steps, and one person in the relationship continues to live in such a toxic, unhealthy, bad way, and it's, it's actually affecting the rest of the family, sometimes you say, hey, for a season, you guys need to separate. Why do we say that? Why do we encourage that sometimes? We encourage that sometimes because relationships, sometimes people need to separate to be able to feel a little bit of the pain of what it feels like to be separated for them to fully understand the, conse the consequences of their actions upon their spouse and upon their family. If not, and if somebody, somebody just keeps doing the wrong thing and you just keep allowing them to be in a good, healthy relationship with you and they just keep cheating on you or they just keep doing something horribly to you and you just get, well, it just, you know, it's just another time, it's just another time, you end up enabling that behavior. And God, in the same fashion, is saying the same thing. If I allow you to treat your spouse in the wrong way, and you continue to, de to degrade and disrespect and dishonor your wife or your husband, and you just treat them wrong, 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 by me continuing to answer your prayers, I am enabling your behavior and you're mistreating your wife. 
So to make you wake up from the situation that you're living in, to make you realize the severity of how important it is for you to live in the right way with your wife, for you to honor her, for you to respect her, for you to love her, for you to understand her and put effort into the relationship and say, well, she's just, we, you know, we just, it's on autopilot. No, 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 no. God says, your relationship with your spouse is so important to me that I will interrupt our communication so that you feel the pain of your prayer not being answered, our relationship will dwindle a little bit because of your actions so that you wake up and realize, I need to get my relationship right. That's a hard pill for me to swallow as a verse. It's like, wow. But I'll tell you what, this is what it shows me as a Christian. It shows me deeply the heart of God. That the heart of God, he is so serious about us treating people right. He is so serious about husbands not, you know, you know, as, you know not, not belittling or treating wives wrong. And obviously the reverse is, is true as well. God is so serious about it that he is willing to put our prayers on mute and allow us to feel the pain of being distant from him in that, in that sense because he wants us to make changes. And I love that Paul, uh, I love that Peter here makes the note that he says, uh, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. In other words, this is a woman who's a believer who's gonna be in eternity with you. She has received the grace of life from Jesus. She is a daughter of the, she is a daughter of the most high king. So treat her like that. God is saying, treat your wife, my daughter, in an honoring way. And when you don't treat my daughter in the right way, I will not hear your prayers. Our relationship will be hindered because it matters to me how you treat your wife. Not just in public either, but in the privacy of your home, how you treat your wife. In the privacy of your car, car rides, how you speak to your wife if it's in the wrong way, could actually hinder your prayers and relationship with God. Puts me as a husband, and it should put us as married couples, definitely in a place of saying, okay, God, I need to humble myself and make sure that I'm treating my spouse in the right way because it is a massive deal to you, Lord. And let me finish with this last one. By the way, there's a couple more that I had to choose between, so sorry I couldn't get to all of them. But this last one's really important. The last thing we unmute, just filter this through, is this a place that I'm at? Maybe it's not. We unmute our prayers by forgiving those who wronged us. By forgiving those who wronged us. So we're still talking in the context of relationships. Listen to Matthew 6, verse 12. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. They're like, Jesus, we see you pray. It is so eloquent, and you just seem like you just, it's just, wow, we just walk out of time with prayer with you, and we're just blown away, and so we all know this prayer. It's a very famous prayer. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the end of the verse, it closes and finishes like this. Jesus says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You know, every year when, especially at our, our older house, because we had you know, our roofs were a lot lower, but, you know, my dad, you know, all, you know, in Chicago, we have a, the seasons are nice, 
except for winter. The seasons are nice. Fall is one of my favorite seasons, and you know, if you're in an, uh, an area with a lot of trees around you, what happens in your gutters? They get clogged. And you know, it doesn't matter. You do it. It's just this on, you know, not fun activity that we have to do every single year, right? And you take out the ladder, you pay someone to do it, whatever it is, and you take the ladder and you go up there, and what do you realize? The same gutters that you cleaned out last year have to be cleaned out again. And you have twigs in there that fell off the trees, and maybe you have little berries or something. You have, maybe there's, maybe there's uh, leaves, just all these old nasty leaves when they get wet are just nasty, just all these nasty leaves. And you're like, Dad, do I have to do this? Like, this is like, this is, this is just gross, and I don't and this, just, you're just taking all this gook out of it. But we do that, and it's important because if we don't do that, then it blocks the flow of water, and it ultimately will damage your roof, right? Damage your gutters, damage your roof. Our relationship with God is the same way. And periodically in our life, what happens is in our relationships with others, that, re- that funnel of relationship, that you know, relationship with God can get clogged up because we hold things against others. And we think, well, it's just a small thing. It's not a huge thing. I'm just holding it. You know, me and God have our relationship, and me and this person have our relationship, and me and God are good, but me and this person, I don't want anything to do with them. As long as they're out of sight, out of mind, just get out of my life. They hurt me. They backstabbed me. They betrayed me. They took a shot at my family. I don't want anything to do. If you knew what this person did against me, you wouldn't want anything to do with them either. And God is saying, listen, You think that that has nothing to do with your relationship with me. But your relationship with others, if you don't go in there and take out the garbage of relational hurt, it affects my relationship with you. And that water that needs to flow through, your life that flows through and connects with me, if you allow all that other stuff to get clogged in that gutter, and that it affects my ability to relate and have a connection with you because you have broken your connection with other people. You have unforgiveness in your heart, and you think that you are holding somebody else in a cage of bondage, but really unforgiveness has shackled you. And Jesus is showing us a pattern here in our prayers, something that we should be doing often to make sure that we don't allow unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment to become something that clogs up our relationship, not only with others, but also with God. And so he tells us first, he says, listen, forgive us our sins. This is confession. This is important, our relationship with God. The confession is agreeing with God that what he says is wrong, and then repentance is turning from that. And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, when you pray, make sure you take time to confess your sins. You bring them before me. You ask for forgiveness. I'm already forgiven you, but you need to do this process. There's a process of forgiveness that happens. Bring your sins, acknowledge them, confess them before me. James says to confess our sins to one another, to receive healing. So there's an extra component of healing in James. But it's our responsibility to confess our sins. 1 John 1.9 says, but if we confess our sins, this is to Christians, He is faithful and righteous, forgiving us our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. This is a regular practice that we should be doing. It doesn't always have to be in a public setting. It could be in a private setting. But God has asked you to confess your sins. Here's why I think this is important before we go to forgive others. It's important to remember and to confess our sins to God 
Because as he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, it's important to remember that we still fall short, that we still sin, that we still blow it sometimes, and that God still chooses to forgive us. And so he tells us, hey, confess and remember your sins. You know, let them go. Bring them before me. I forgive you. But then the second step, and forgive those who sin against us. Man, is that first part so much easier, right? Confess my sins. Tell you my list. God, I looked at this. I did this. I did this. I'm so sorry. I I turned from that. God, I don't want to live that way anymore. And then Jesus is like, and? No, no, God, I, I, oh, you're right, I, I did, I took a pack of Cheez-Its, I, I, you know, I stole those from the store, I was hungry, I just kind of shook the, mis- the machine a little bit and it fell out, and I was like, well, you know, this is kind of how it is, and, and God goes, and? No, God, I mean, that's the list, I can't remember anything else, and God's like, but now let's move on to what you need to forgive in other people that have hurt you. And God is really serious. This is one of the only places that we see this very clearly, that if we choose not to forgive others, that God will not forgive us. In order for God to forgive us, we must forgive others. God gives us a picture in Matthew, and I won't, go to the, I won't read it, but God gives us a picture of two men in Matthew. There's a king standing before a man who owes him, let's just say, a billion dollars. And he owes him a billion dollars, and he's like, I just can't pay your, the billion dollars, king. And the king goes, you know what? I'm gonna forgive you of that debt. And this man who's been forgiven of all this debt, he goes, and he goes to a man who owes him $100. And he says, you, you need to pay me the $100. You need to give me the $100. He's like, I don't, I don't, the other guy's like, I don't have the $100. No, you need to give it to me. And then he takes him and he like throws him in jail for his actions for not paying him the $100. And the king hears about it and we get a response. The king is supposed to represent God. And we get a response from God to remind us that God is like, listen, what you do with other people is what I will do with you. The way that you treat that other person that you feel like you can't forgive, God is giving us a picture. In other words, we're like, you don't know what this person has done to me, God. I could never forgive this person. We tell that to other people, and God's like, I know exactly what they did to you. And I know exactly how it destroyed your life or ruined or took this away from you or took your innocence or whatever it was. But let me say this. Let me say this. God, this is how God's like, but do you remember all that I forgave you of? And when we compare the sin of somebody else compared, and, it, and it's as bad as it is, when we compare that with the sin that we have committed against other people, and ultimately every sin that we commit against somebody else is a sin that we commit against God because he set the rules and the order, when we realize the magnitude, the hundreds of thousands of sins that I have committed against a holy and righteous God, and I compare it against the, even the most grievous, hard Uh, uh, you know, really damaging thing that somebody's done to me, when I remember, when I see their sin in light of all the sin that's been forgiven to me, it puts things in perspective and it makes forgiveness that much easier. Amen? Stand with me.
You know, I acknowledge that this was um, a harder word to chew on, swallow, think about. I know that when I'm studying, I know that when I'm preparing. But it is so important that our relationship with God is not hindered and that our prayers are not hindered. If relationship with God doesn't mean much to you, then okay, not a big deal. Do everything in in your own power of your life. Try to work things out. Try to do that. But if your relationship with God is everything to you like it is me, I can't afford to go a day without God hearing my prayers. I can't go a day without praying to God about things that are heavy on my heart that I'm going through that are absolutely out of my power to be able to change, to transform, like even the transformation of my own spirit. Like I do what I try to do, but ultimately it's the work of God to refine us and make us more like his son, Jesus. And I know that, you know, the Lord always puts super heavy on my heart when I feel like I have something with somebody else. Like, and I have an issue where I feel like communication is weird. I go up to that person and say, hey, is everything okay? I feel like we're a little bit, I feel like something's going on. Sometimes it's just me and I'm just, I'm just feeling things that aren't there and sometimes there's things there. And I say, is there something? They say, yeah, actually, can we sit down? I go, oh no. So actually a while ago you did this and maybe it was intentional or unintentional but you hurt me in that way and I've hold that, held that against you and it's just messed up our relationship. And I say, okay, what can we do to make that square? What can we do to work that out? I'm sorry if I hurt you. I didn't mean to. Or if I did, I, I was in the wrong mindset. Forgive me. I was wrong. Because I care about my relationships with people and our relationship with God is so important. And so, as we do, we're gonna sing a song, but I just wanna open up the altar. Maybe there was more than one, maybe there was nothing, or maybe there was one that really God was just, man, just hitting you with. He was just speaking to you and he was saying, there is something, there is something that you gotta work through right now. Your prayers are muted. Would you humble yourself? Regardless of who's watching, for the sake of your relationship with God, would you humble yourself? Would you lower yourself and say, I don't really care who sees or this or that, but I care enough about my relationship with God that I'm not gonna wait another minute to make things right. Would you humble yourself and lower yourself before Jesus and just say, Jesus, I didn't know, but now that I know, I'm gonna let that thing go that I've been holding on to that is hindered my communication with you. It's not worth my relationship with you, Jesus. So if that's you and God's speaking to you, just quickly and quietly, because we only have a few minutes, I'm gonna invite you forward. Let the Holy Spirit lead you, though, and I just want you to come forward. I just want you to kneel. And you know what it is. You don't have to tell anybody what it is. You just have to come before God and say, God, I have been on mute. I didn't even realize it. I didn't realize my prayers were being hindered. I didn't realize the way I was treating my wife. I didn't didn't realize that that was just this huge issue in my life. God, I didn't realize that that relationship or that sin or 
that thing I've been doing in private or that addiction has just been something in my life that has hindered my communication, that you have put me on mute because of it, but I don't want to go another day on mute, Lord Jesus. I'm here humbling myself before you. I don't care who sees or what, who, people, who know or this and that. I am coming before you on my knees saying, God, I have been on mute, but I will be on mute no longer. I let go of that thing that I've been clinging to. I will no longer regard my iniquity, cling or hold to my sin. No matter how public or private, I will let it go because I want my private conversations with you to be restored again. This is the cost of getting before you and acknowledging something in my life that has been wrong, then that is a cost that's worth paying. If there's unforgiveness in your life and you are even wrestling with it now, ask, ask God. Ask God for the help to forgive. He'll hear that prayer. Ask God, help me forgive that family member who hurt me that spouse or that person who cheated on me, that person who abandoned me in the moment that I needed them the most and I have been holding on to it for years. Maybe they're not even here or alive anymore, but today, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them. It doesn't make it right, but I forgive them in light of what you have done for me and how you have washed me and cleansed me of my tens and hundreds of thousands of sins over and over and over again. Your blood has covered me. Your mercy has been new. So I forgive and release that person who I've been holding. If that's you, I invite you forward and let's pray and let's sing.